This is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. Hey, so Wheeler is out Christmas shopping right now, so you have me all by yourself here. But right before the holidays, we wanted to drop this episode because suddenly, just days after December has started here now, a race in the state legislature has surfaced as being one of the most watched races, especially in North Texas, but really statewide because it's so unusual here. It's a state Senate seat in Dallas. Democrat Nathan Johnson represents it right now, but in a rare move, a Democratic state rep named Victoria Niave Criado has decided to run for this seat. She wants to leave the lower chamber, the House of Representatives, and go for this seat against a fellow Democrat in the state Senate here, too. She says that she can do better. Nathan Johnson essentially says, bring it. Let's find out what the voters think about this. As I mentioned, it's not often you have a Democratic official, an elected Democratic official, decide he's going to, or he or she is going to try to take out another democratically elected official. Republicans do this on the right. Democrats, at least in this state, really haven't done this before. So we reached out to both of them. Again, these are lawmakers who've been effective in their own districts over the last seven or eight years they've been in the legislature. They've worked together on bills, but now here they are suddenly rivals, same party, but going against each other. We called them both up. Two questions. How did this begin and why is it happening? Let's start with the incumbent here. It's Nathan Johnson, state senator uh, from District 16 in Dallas County. Hey, y'all. This is where Texas politics gets interesting for another smart conversation on Eolitics the unofficial political podcast of Texas. Basic question, why did you draw a challenger? I'm excited actually to have a challenger in a primary because for the first time, we're gonna have a focus on this race so we can see what people really have done, what I've been able to do in the legislature. And I think when people see that, they will put me back in office. But are you really excited to have a challenger? You know what, I, I am. Because there's so little attention paid to what goes on in the legislature, particularly in the Senate, that I want people to look at what we've been able to do, where we fought, where we've lost, what we're doing to win next time, and where we've won. So when I ran for this office back in 2018, nobody thought that I could take out a Republican with a ton of money in a 30-year Republican seat, but I did. I beat him by eight points by promising people that I would fight against the things that bring us down and work and achieve the things that lift us up. That's what I've been able to do. Every day I'm on the floor, I am in the face of the governor, the lieutenant governor, calling out the bad stuff that pulls us down clearly, effectively, but at the same time, my constituents and the people of the state need more than just words. They need results. Everybody in this state needs education. Everybody needs health care. Everybody needs electricity. On those three areas and many more, I've been able to deliver results. If you're a parent and your baby doesn't go deaf, it's going to be partly because of a bill I pass. If you've got power instead of being out power for four days, it's because I've been effective on the grid. If you've got emotional stability and funding and education, it's because of the work I've done in education. And Jason, you're wondering why I'm excited about a primary? Because finally, people are going to see that stuff. And it's going to make them fired up and feel good about what we're doing on the Democratic side. That's what I want to happen through this race. You defeated Don Huffines, Republican Don Huffines, in 2018 to win this seat. This isn't just any Republican. Well, let me change that. This isn't just any Democrat running against you. This is a fellow 
state legislator running against you, a Democrat, Victoria Niave Criado. That's You've right. worked with her on bills before. Have you two spoken about, about her running? We have not spoken about her running. I have passed bills for her. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked, frankly. Uh, on the values that we both profess, I've been consistent. Whether you're talking about reproductive rights, where I have been a rock, or voting rights, or public education, I've been there even more often than she has. So I'm, I'm, really, I'm really quite shocked by it. Uh, it's disappointing because I think that we need to be effective in both chambers uh, and that it would be good for us to be able to work together rather than attack each other. Um, but you know, everyone has a right to run, Jason. Everyone has a right to aspire to a different office. Uh, I'm just surprised by it because we have worked well together. I've worked very, very well with the entire House of Representatives. I passed a lot of their bills. I'm going to keep working well with the House of Representatives while I'm in there. But it, it does surprise me. It's disconcerting. And um, I want to make sure that when we run this campaign, people understand really who has been productive, who has really been there consistently and supported the democratic values. Uh, and I think when we finish the campaign, people are going to understand that, that I've been there the whole time. Senator, you've both been in the office about the same amount of time. I think she was elected in 2017. You were elected in 2018. Well, she was. Um, she has one more term than I have. I think she's been in for four sessions. I've been in for three. Well, one of the charges she levels against you, she says you're too timid. Yeah, that's What's that, your reaction? Uh, that's laughable. Any, anybody who has watched, in fact, I get in trouble in the Senate for being too outspoken. There's a reason Ken Paxton's legal team tried to kick me off the jury. I go after them and I'm good at it and I'm consistent with it. That, that's just something people say to get elected uh, and either they're misrepresenting the truth or they haven't bothered to look at the truth. There is nobody in that building who would ever call me timid. Looking, uh, Let me mention one other thing, Jason, and I think it's fundamental to this election. Speaking up is something I've consistently done, but there's another half of being a legislator. It's not just about getting to the microphone and protesting. I do that all the time. Like I said, I get in trouble. But you've also got to spend time figuring out what do your constituents need. I passed almost 50 bills last session. I've passed probably 100 bills in three sessions. Little bills, they're not little bills. There's this faction in the Democratic Party that thinks that passing bills is somehow a sign of weakness. Look, I can attack Republican extremism all day long, and I do, and I still can get stuff out of this Republican-dominated legislature. And it matters. These are not little bills. It's not little if your baby goes deaf. It's not little if you leave pow lose power for four days and somebody dies or your pipes burst. So I, I think that we've got to keep our heads on straight and look at what, what an effective legislator can do if they can do two things at once. You have more money in the, uh, in the bank. What does internal polling say about this? Well, internal polling is generally internal. Um, I, I will say that... Uh, you want to give us a, a hint on, on what it looks like? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very enthusiastic about my chances to win. I don't think, I don't think it's ever smart uh, or even respectful to take anything for granted. Uh, there are people who are going to vote for me. There's people who are going to vote for her, and I, and I will represent everybody. I will represent everybody in both parties and within this party, because that's your job as a legislator. I don't, I don't begrudge people taking sides at this point, but I am confident that, and, and, and yes, I've looked at polling, uh, when people understand the work that we're doing, they will send me back into office. And, and yes, our polling indicates that. 80-something days left until the actual uh, uh, vote. What's this race going to cost? Well, um, You haven't faced something like this. Well, I beat Don Huffines. Well, besides that race, in, in your re-election, you And I spent a million dollars on that. Is this one going to cost a million? It might. 
It might, you know, the, let's talk about the purpose of money. We're not, we're not um, trying to pave over the wall with dollar bills. As I said at the beginning, I am excited about having a primary. It finally draws attention to the really important things. I think too often uh, we're paying attention to the silliness in Washington, D.C., like seeing Republicans not elect a speaker, right? This is, this is a silly circus up there. We've got really serious work to do. Spending money in a primary election, from my perspective, is about bringing everybody into the conversation. That's what the money's for. It's communication making people aware of the importance of what we're doing, getting them involved, having people be vested in the outcome of this, that's what the money's for. I'll absolutely spend it because I want people to be drawn into this race. We have uh, 80 days or so out here. Anything else you can think of you'd like to add or point out? Um, because this is gonna go fast. Oh, this election is gonna go this fast? This is gonna go fast. I, I think the 80 days are gonna burn by here. Once the holidays are up, I mean, we're, we're in the heat of it for the next eight weeks. Yeah, I, I think I would like to add um, that North Texas really delivered a powerful message to the state in 2018, the year I got elected, the year we flipped seven or eight house seats, the year Beverly Powell and Fort Worth got elected. It was really a miraculous year. And I think that this primary election, the money that we spend to, to make people aware of things, I hope it reignites that passion in North Texas, because I really do think that the future of the state is in large part going to be dictated by what people do right here in North Texas. So it's 80 days, it's quick, we're going to be at every door, we're going to be in every mailbox, we're going to be talking to people in every location throughout the district. Um, and I am excited about seeing that energy get back up to where it was, because I, I don't think we can allow ourselves to be content with sitting back and being upset about losing. I think we've got to win. I think we've got to change the way people think about politics in Texas, make them believe that we can win and get some results. That's what this primary is about. Does this primary suggest anything about the wider Democratic Party when you have a Democratic official taking on another Democratic official here? It's rare for you guys to do this. You know, there's, there's pundits that are probably better qualified than I am to answer that question. I mean, obviously, personally, it, it's frustrating. Um, I, I, I see Republicans do that a whole lot. Uh, I see Republicans say things that aren't quite true to try to mislead voters. Um, I'm seeing that happen already in my primary, people saying things that aren't true to try to make people believe things that aren't true. So I, I think it is concerning in that I don't want to see the Democratic Party descend into the kind of dishonest backbiting that we see in the Republican Party. I, I really want us to work together because there's, there's so much to gain by working together. Uh, so that's how I'm going to run my campaign. That's how I'm going to conduct myself in office. Last thing, I do want to clarify this. Uh, your opponent has said uh, early on that you voted for SB4. Yeah. And, and this has gotten led to a lot of confusion because it's the wrong sure SB4 that she's talking about. It's the wrong SB4. Lay, lay, lay this out. Yeah, you know, the, number, the letters SB4, Senate Bill 4, when you file bills, they go one, two, three, four, five, on up to sure. whatever it is. There have been five sessions this year. There have been five SB4s this year. Two of them had to do in some way with immigration. What I'm hearing out there, what I've seen repeated in the news, is that I voted for some Greg Abbott racial profiling bill, which is absolutely nonsense. There was a terrible bill, an SB4, that came out three or four times during the various sessions to create a new state law crime for anybody who enters this country illegally. And now it would give power to our Department of Public Safety, the state police force, to arrest them on suspicion of being here illegally and deport them. Terrible bill. I voted against it three times. I've spoken against the bill, and yet it's been portrayed as if I'm on board with that. Absolute nonsense. There's another bill that had to do with penalty enhancements. That's an SB4. 
that has been said to create a new crime with a big penalty. About human smuggling. About human though. smuggling. Completely, about, di a, a completely different issue. Completely different issue. But the other thing is, it's not a new law. The law's been on the books since 1999. The only thing this bill did was make some penalties bigger. Now, the Senate Democrats, working together effectively, including all the Hispanic, not all, all but one of the Hispanic uh, Democrats, you know, there's always dissension, um, which is healthy within a party. Sure. But the Senate Democrats were able to amend this bill to actually make it less harmful in cases involving family members. The point is, though, it didn't create a new bill. It's not any new grounds for arresting anybody. It's not any new racial profiling bill. But it was a place where the Democrats were smart in the Senate and managed to get the bill to a place where if the House failed to kill it, which they did, it would be in better shape. So again, I worked with my colleagues on this bill. It did not create any basis for arresting anybody that wasn't already there for 24 right. years. So the hysteria that's been generated, um, I think is from people misunderstanding the bill. At, at best, that's the most benign explanation I have for it is that they don't understand it. A less benign explanation is that they're trying to manipulate it. But to be clear, I did not vote for any racial profiling bill. I've been against that garbage every day I've been in office and it's clear on the Senate floor, Every bill related to that kind of stuff, I condemn. Click subscribe and get Yolitics every week. Eolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. All right, that is the incumbent there for State Senate District 16, Nathan Johnson. His challenger now is Victoria Niabe Criado. She's a state rep. She also represents part of the Senate District for the Texas House of Representatives. One of the things that we're curious about, too, number one, why take the gamble and possibly get sidelined if you don't get elected. Maybe she thinks that, that it's it's a smooth sailing for her here. We'll have to find out what the voters think about it. But secondly, where does she think Nathan Johnson is vulnerable? Two of the questions we had for her here. Take a listen. Here's the basic question I have. Why walk away from a seat that you know is safe? You're in a leadership position as a, as a chair of the County Affairs Committee on a gamble that may sideline you. One, thank you so much for having me. Um, let me share with you, my record in the House is one of fighting for issues that disproportionately impact women, making big changes like passing the Lavinia Masters Act, which tackled a, a longstanding issue that had been ignored, which is the backlog of thousands of untested rape kits. I wanna take those leadership skills from the House to the Senate. And not only are we able to pass good pieces of legislation, I also do a lot of work with respect to domestic violence, expanding access to protective orders to keep women who are survivors of domestic violence uh, safe in addition to you know fighting for the issues that impact our community. And so as a leader of a caucus as well, we not only are able to pass good legislation, but we also fight when we have attacks by Governor Abbott against our community. And our current incumbent senator does not have that fight. And so I want to take my skills from the House to the Senate. I, I want to ask you about that in a moment, but, but at the end of the day, this is a gamble. I mean, clearly you know that. What are your odds on this? I, I feel confident that we're going to earn the votes of, of our community, which is a diverse, beautiful community. And um, I think the voters will see the contrast. And this is really also about a bigger issue and the threat of democracy that's being posed by Donald Trump, Ken Paxton, Greg Abbott. Like, we don't need somebody who's not going to be standing up to fight. We don't need somebody who's going to buckle under pressure to Dan Patrick. We need to have somebody that, you know, when we have a woman who, a Dallas woman, Mrs. Carr, 
Cox was having to travel to another state in order to obtain reproductive rights. When we have a governor who is terrorizing mixed status families, like there is no room for error. We have to be, we need, we need somebody who's going to stand up and represent this district in that. And that's why I'm running. You said buckle under pressure, talking about your opponent. What, on what issue is he buckled under? Yeah, numerous issues. Most recently, Senate Bill 4 in the uh, third called special session is a legislation by the governor that imposes 10 years mandatory minimum jail time. If, for example, you're driving somebody, the incumbent also buckled. We have LGBT but, families. Let me pause you on that. Senate Bill 4 in the third session was on human smuggling, though. In the fourth session, it was on on the issue you and I have talked about, which is, is letting local and state police stop anybody they suspect of being here illegally. Right, and that bill is a Governor Abbott bill that the incumbent voted for, in which when that should have been a no. This district is a district that has people that speak more than, more Wh than. Wh which one did he vote for though? He voted for SB4 in the third call special session which in October, to, which the is 10 to, years mandatory jail time. Which is were, to increase penalties for people who, who smuggle humans, right? For example, for also if you're driving somebody an undocumented person anywhere and the problem with that is that he doesn't understand the threat that civil rights groups have discussed and you know been raising their voices about how that is going to contribute to uh, mass incarceration racial profiling and that's not acceptable but wasn't so, this a law already on the books it's a law on the books that was all, that was very broadly drafted the problem is it puts it, it takes away judicial discretion and so no longer can a judge determine if you have a good Samaritan for example who is driving an undocumented person to the airport or a an employer who is driving their employee to the work site now you get 10 years mandatory minimum jail time that is extreme. That is that that is the Governor Abbott bill, and we fought hard to try to defeat that legislation in the House, and that's the issue. But the, also the 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 issue is, you know, other votes that he has taken. But it really is about more than that. I think we as Democrats have to decide, especially in the times that we're in, the threat to democracy posed by Dan Patrick, Abbott, and others. Is what type of leadership are we going to want? Are we going to want? you know, are we going to continue with business as usual or are we going to, you know, up our game? And that, that's why I'm running. You said that your opponent is too timid. What, what exactly would you do, though, that your opponent is not doing right now in the Texas Senate? So I will fight, and I think our but community is he not knows fighting, that. Though? I mean, is he not fighting? Not fighting enough, no. Especially when he's throwing our community under the bus, and so, and that's that's part of the problem. LGBTQ families, for example, as well, are under attack. Transgender children are under attack, and he was one of two senators who voted present, not voting. Like that's not good enough. You need to vote no and stand up for our LGBTQ families. There, there there's too much at stake um, right now in these times for us to be able. You know, we we need to have somebody who fights for our community and also delivers big wins. And that's what I've been able to do in the Texas House. How much thought went into this? Because you know how rare this is where an incumbent Democrat is facing another incumbent Democrat. You had to think about this. What, what was the strategy behind that and, and, and why go after an incumbent? You've already talked about why you think he's timid and, and, and you don't think he's fighting enough, but still, this is pretty rare. Yeah, it's rare, and these are unusual times, Jason. Like, you know, whenever we have the threat of a Trump presidency, the incumbent, unfortunately, does not understand this threat on our communities, and we cannot afford to have somebody who's not going to stand up for us every single time. It, we, we, there is too much at stake. He's not the one with the target on his back. Our communities have a target on their back, and that's why, that's why I'm in this race, to give voters a choice so they can decide what type of leadership that we as Democrats want in the Texas Senate. You're obviously in leadership in, in the House right now, Chair of the, the County Affairs Committee. Uh, there, if elected to the Senate, 
Dan Patrick has made it perfectly clear he'll never appoint a Democrat uh, to any leadership position. You're, you're going to be on the on the bottom rung with every other Democrat. I, I don't I don't need to be a chair in the Texas Senate in order to get things done. I'm going to fight for our community right here but in Republicans Dallas. Republicans have a majority in that in that chamber. Republicans too. have a majority in the Texas House. I've dealt with that. I've dealt uh, you know under pressure in those scenarios, and and I have the experience and we have the the results that we have delivered for Texas families. And so that's why we want to take our fight from the House to the Senate. And 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 we know that we can do it. These times are crucial for our. There is a sense of urgency for our community that we cannot afford to risk having somebody in there who's not going to stand up and fight for us. And that's why I'm in the race. How much money do you have right now? Or will you fall on the 16th cash it, on hand? But folks will see whenever the report comes out, we're working hard to raise as much money as we can or resources are coming in. And we're, I feel confident we'll have the resources to prevail. Two and a half months to the primary election, though. I mean, you, neither time nor money are on your side right now. I believe that we have time on our side, and the fact is- In 80 days, you think you can you can turn it around in 80 days? We have knocked on hundreds of thousands of doors in a large part of this district since 2015, since I first got in this race, worked hard to earn the support of our community, and I'm gonna continue to work, and so, and and we, I feel confident that we will win, and we have the polling to show it too. Why wait until the last minute to the filing deadline to announce your candidacy? Why, why not announce this six months ago when you can, you can you know, ramp up a tax, ramp up your, your bank account and a number of other things. Why wait? I was focused on special session. Let me tell you, as a leader of a caucus, we were running floor strategy, and I was there on the floor when the senator was not. It should have been there fighting for us, absent from critical votes. I was there leading the charge against Governor Abbott's discriminatory attacks, uh, preparing for points of order, um, getting our amendment strategy ready, working with our other caucuses. And so um, that has been my commitment, and it wasn't until after we got out of the fourth special session, and you know, we're, we're ready to go. You'll be on the, on the ballot in March with your opponent. What's the elevator pitch? How are you two most different? Why should someone elect you over him? The fact is that one, we have fought for our community doing hard work to highlight uh, the issues that disproportionately impact women, sexual assault, sexual harassment. I've passed legislation to extend the statute of limitations for sexual harassment. We've fought for survivors of domestic violence as well as, you know, have brought justice to thousands and thousands of women who have been waited for years to get their rape kits tested. Our legislation that has over $50 million, which is unprecedented from the Texas budget, is now bringing justice to thousands of survivors of sexual assault. And we're going to continue to work and we're going to take that, those leadership skills from the House to the Senate. And I'm so honored to, to be able to be in this race to bring uh, that kind of leadership to the Senate. And that's the Lavinia Masters Act, right? That's correct. And it, we talked about that uh, quite a bit and made a lot of uh, news, I think nationally, when that happened several Absolutely. years ago. Absolutely. Now a leader in rape kit reform because of the Lavinia Masters Act. We've shortened time frames. We've done it's major, it's omnibus legislation that is unprecedented, and that's why Texas Monthly also named me one of the best legislators in the past because we're able to deliver results on big, big issues that have been ignored for a really long time. Latinos make up almost half of the Senate district here, population-wise. You know this very well. They do not vote as much as white and black voters do. You have 80-something days to turn this around. How do you do it? Latino voters vote when we ask them to vote. We have a track record of working to knocking on their doors and letting them know when the elections are. And Latinos are now the largest, one of the largest population shares in the entire state of Texas. And if, you know, we're going to continue to earn their vote, and I feel confident that we will win, not just with the vote of support of the Latino community, but every community in this really diverse district. What does internal polling show about this race? I think folks are about to see, but we're in the lead.
Are you in the lead internally yeah. in yes, your own polling? Are. Yes. And, and to circle back with what we started with here, you're in a comfy, safe seat that you know you could get reelected to. Why take that chance and not just stay there and do what you can do from that position. Why take the gamble and you, you might be sidelined? This is not about me. This is about our community and the the needs of our community and having somebody who's going to stand up for us. Like there, we fought so hard all session long, not just delivering big wins, but also killing lots of bad legislation. Like we cannot afford to take a risk of, you know, especially in these times, the threat of this Trump presidency is extremely concerning for our community. Folks are concerned about driving down the street in some circumstances. We need to build relationships with our law enforcement to counter these attacks of Governor Abbott against our community. There, there, there are so many issues, but for it, again, it's, it's, it's about our community and having a leader who is bold, who is willing to stand up and fight for our community no matter the consequences. And that's, that's, that's why I'm a better choice for our community. Since this is intra-party rivalry here, is there any betrayal here, do you think? Because you guys clearly work together uh, you and your opponent have worked together on bills in the Senate and the House. The incumbent has betrayed our community when he voted against the interest of our community, and that's why I'm stepping in to run. What else can you think of we haven't asked you about your candidacy, about your record in the House? I, I think for, for us, it's about making sure that we work hard to earn every single vote. And uh, this really, it's a new, big community, diverse community. We want to make sure that, um, that um, folks know why we're running. And for us, it's about bringing the voice of fighting for issues that impact women, impact immigrants, our LGBTQ community, uh, under, especially in these times when they're under attack. What should we expect though in the next, you're starting your campaign and here we are going to the holidays, that's gonna slow things down a little bit, I presume. And then you have what, eight, nine weeks until the election. What should we expect in those eight or nine weeks? Uh, folks should expect us to see them, us knocking on their door, asking for, to listen to see what issues impact them and uh, working to earn their vote every single day from here through the election and beyond. All right, so that race now suddenly one to be watching for Super Tuesday. It comes March 5th. As soon as the holidays are over, the election season is going to start very, very fast here. Here's how fast it's going to start. January 1st is the first day to apply for a, uh, a ballot by mail to vote in the March 5th election here. Hopefully, Wheeler will be back by March 5th. Hopefully he's back by January 1st or 2nd. We'll have to wait and see on that. Hey, subscribe to Yolitics in 2024. You can take Texas politics wherever you go. You can take our podcast with you. You can listen to it on the road, in the gym, wherever you might be for the new year. Tell a friend about us as well, if you don't mind. We certainly appreciate the company. Anytime you can join us. New episodes drop every Sunday, fresh interviews, new content that's out there. And if you watch us on YouTube, you can search for Yolitics on YouTube. Watch us there. If you don't want to listen to this, you can find us anytime. We are back next week, though, with another episode of Yolitics and hope to see you then. Take care. Okay, y'all. The conversation doesn't stop here. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Yolitics.